0: Live. Live from. New York. To New York. This is the Just End the Suffering podcast. Wait for the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his ankle! Follow me! Follow me with freedom! You're Here's your host, Mike, Mike Phillips. Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering podcast, which is your New York Sports Talk, Long Suffering Fan. Your host, Mike Phillips. Got a good show for you this week. March Madness is here. The brackets are out. We're going to get you ready for the NCAA tournament. I'll joined just in just a minute by Troy Moriel. We're going to dive into the bracket. We're going to talk about who got in, who got snubbed, look at each region, look for some upsets, all sorts of fun stuff with Troy and Justin a Also, going to take a dive into the role of March Madness betting, showing the money back for March Madness with Martino Pucci. We're going to Look at some markets you can exploit, some strategies to take, how to pick your upsets. That stuff's coming up in just a bit. Also, make tuned sure, for the end of the show, I got to talk about this Yankee trade. I do not understand what they did. We'll get to that in a bit. But if you like what you hear on the Just End the Suffering podcast, feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just End the Suffering or favorite podcast platforms. to find all episodes there. So your feedback is starting as well. we we'll help with the podcast even better going forward. Go check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Video version of these chats with Troy and Martino are going to be up on the YouTube channel. Again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Without any further ado, we're going to dive into the brackets right after this. All right, we are back here on Selection Sunday on the Just and the Suffering podcast. I'm your host, Mike Phillips, getting ready for the NCAA tournament. Join me as he has throughout the year and our co-host of the month of March, the host of the Seeing Red podcast, Troy Morial is here. Troy, how are you? Mike, I'm
1: doing great. It's a great time of year and uh, looking forward to breaking down the bracket.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is Christmas for college basketball fans. And we got to talk about the news of the day here. I mean, Tom Brady unretired. He tried, he tried to steal a thunder from us. <laughs> yeah right like like 15 20 minutes after the
1: brackets revealed we got tom brady on retiring uh kind of steals all of our thunder but listen as a college basketball fan i could care less about tom brady right now i want to look at this bracket i want to fill out my bracket and i want to watch some college basketball i'll worry about tom brady in april
0: and may uh in march i'm I'm focused on the tournament yeah i am focused on the tournament as well here and we have our field of 68 is officially revealed here and in general, I gotta say, I think they they, think they did a pretty good job. There are a few nitpicks I have, but I think they did a pretty good job putting teams in the right places.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with you there. Um, yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, a, a couple things here and there. Uh, I do think that the you know the best sixty four or sixty eight teams did get in. Uh, the best you know thirty six or whatever at large teams uh, did get in. You know, I, I'm really I really don't have any issues with who didn't get in and who did get in. Uh, But, yeah, some of the seedings uh, you can complain about a little bit, like you said, a little bit of nitpicks. But overall, I thought, yeah, pretty good job by the committee.
0: Yeah, I think for sure here. Before we get deeper into the bracket stuff here, I want to talk about the big news item of the weekend that's actually not related to the brackets itself. But a big impact on the college basketball world here as LSU fired head coach Will Wade on Saturday after they received their notice of allegations in the NCAA regarding the – the pay for the athlete like paying scandal back in 2019, mm-hmm. back when they had on the wiretap, some reason LSU mm-hmm. kept him for four years. Now he gets <laughs> fired. And I'm going to share up the screen here because they do have a lot of issues here because I believe Pete Thamel of ESPN had it on here. And I'm going to take, throw up the tweet because he put up some good stuff on here mm-hmm. that we had eight total level one violation allegations against <laughs> LSU seven, which are tied to basketball. Here's allegation of was which loom large of this case. Quote, the institution failed to exercise institutional control and monitor its football and men's basketball programs. Because obviously we had allegations that we had on the wiretap, offered to pay players. We had him paying hush money to a player's fiance to not rat yeah. out what he's doing. We had parents getting paid. We had uh, no-show jobs. I mean, <laughs> this is a disaster. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And it's, it's like you mentioned, I I don't know. We knew about this for a while now. I don't understand why he was kept on. Uh, I guess, you know, maybe they thought it wouldn't be that bad, but you know, a lot of this stuff, like you mentioned was on wiretaps. It was out there for everyone to listen to and for everyone to hear about. Uh, You know, it wasn't like a secret or anything like that, that something was coming Um, obviously really, really tough timing for LSU that, you know, 24 hours before selection Sunday, they got to fire him. But, um, you know, I, I just don't understand why he was kept on for so long when it was pretty clear something big was going to be coming down on them.
0: Yeah, I think it's one of the cases, like, LSU just didn't care. Where they were saying, like, <laughs> okay, like, he's winning. Like, we're doing well. Like, we'll just kind of, you know, sweep around under the rug, and hopefully it's not bad. And then, because I see, did see they amended his contract after he was, remember back in 2019, he was suspended for the NCAA tournament. Yeah. He didn't mm-hmm. coach that tournament. And, he, mm-hmm. and reworking his deal, and they gave him the ability to fire him with call, without cause, like, Mm -hmm. for cause and not actually have to pay him his contract here. I think there is sort of going. okay, well, if it comes to that, you know, maybe we win, maybe we don't, but like we have a better chance with him here. And now they're in a world of trouble.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, this is going to set their program back a while for sure. And um, yeah, I mean, it's like you mentioned, how how much, how much does winning excuse, you know, how much can you sweep under the rug when you're winning? Um, And they obviously have have continued to win this year. They're an NCAA tournament team. They're, they're a six seed, but at, at some point, you know the allegations and and, and the uh, punishment from the NCAA comes down on you, and you have to say enough is enough. No amount of winning can cover uh, what's what's coming. And and uh, like you mentioned, you know, that's a lot to have to deal with for them for the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to go to my bracket right now see where LSU ended up here. I forgot they were a sick they're a six six yeah against Iowa State against Iowa yeah. State, and like that's a rough spot to be in if you're if you're uh, Kenny Nickelberry the interim coach there because now you got. A team there, your team just is reeling as you lost the coach, you lost the mm-hmm. in the SEC tournament. Now you got a team that could play defense. At Iowa State You might have Johnny Davis second round. Not gonna be a fun, fun week for the Tigers.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people are going to be picking uh, LSU in that in that first round game against Iowa State. I think that's going to be a pretty big uh, uh upset pick for a lot of
0: people. That 11 seed over six. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the some of the bubble scenarios here because we were here about six days ago to talk about, yeah, you know, the bubble's not really great this year. I feel like the most (laughs) actually was on the bubble. There was so much happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And
1: I mean, again, uh, you know, in terms of, of snubs or, you know, the, the, how, how strong weak the bubble was um, I, I didn't really have any major issues with, with any of these bubble teams being left out. You know, you feel bad for a team like uh, like Texas A&M who, you know, uh, went so far in their conference tournament ends up not reaching the, the tournament, but you know, these teams are all on the bubble because they're all mediocre teams. You know, if they were uh, if they were better, if they you know, if they were not a mediocre team, they'd be an eight a seven, you know, a 10 seed somewhere in that range. Um, you know, if you're on the bubble, there's a reason why you're on the bubble. Uh, all those teams that got left out that are playing in the NIT that were the first couple of teams out. Uh, they had plenty of opportunities, a lot of them to to, you know, pull play themselves off the bubble. And really, you know, there's there's a reason why they're not in the tournament.
0: Yeah, I do want to say also, I do think I'm with you in the fact that I feel like if you are on the bubble, like I think the committee this the correct way in that like you should not be able to have like one fantastic week and then put yourself like pretty securely in the field. Like where Mm -hmm. we saw Virginia Tech win the ACC tournament as a bid thief, which we call that as a possibility Mm -hmm. as an ACC bid thief. And they get an 11 seed after winning the ACC. despite all their metrics tells you like Mm -hmm. if they did not win that thing, I don't think they're getting in. Yeah, no, no way. And they, they said that on the broadcast, I believe uh,
1: you know, with them as an 11 seed. Yeah. If they didn't win against Duke on uh, on Saturday night, they would not have been in the tournament. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's like you mentioned with, with Texas A&M as well, you know, a great, great couple of days for them in the, uh, in the SEC tournament, but you can't finish it off. And uh, you know, they're not going to reward you for what two, three months of kind of so-so mediocre type play, but then, you know, a great four day run or a three day run that comes up a little bit short um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I do like that. You know, they're not rewarding teams for, you know, playing great over, over a span of three days, When over a span of three months. They didn't do enough to put themselves off the bubble.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're Texas a and here, don't lose eight games throughout the middle of the season. Like that would yeah. be my advice to you. Like don't, and two of those, I think we're <laughs> home to Missouri and South Carolina. Like if I guarantee if they won those two games, they're in the tournament. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, you know, you
1: shouldn't, you shouldn't have been in that spot where you had to win the sec tournament. Or you wouldn't have been in that spot, I should say, where you had to win the SEC tournament if you took care of business earlier in the season. You know, like you mentioned, you didn't lose a bunch of games in a row. You didn't lose a bunch of games to teams that uh, were at the bottom of your conference. You wouldn't have been in that spot. So, you know, I I guess I feel bad, of course. You know, you made a great run. Uh, You know, if that was my team, I'd be really upset that they made this great run, came up just short, and it wasn't enough to get them in. But at the end of the day, they had plenty of opportunities to not uh, be in that spot going into the SEC tournament.
0: Absolutely. Let's look at here at real quick. We'll start with the last four teams. And these will be our first four matchups in Dayton on Tuesday and Wednesday. And it's nice to see that we have the entire tournament back yes. to its traveling roadshow, as I, which I do love here. So <laughs> a reminder here that on one side, we have Rutgers and Notre Dame. The other side, Indiana and Wyoming. So are you surprised at any order that these that these teams are actually here or not in the field? Any of that surprise you at all?
1: I, honestly, I'm, I'm really surprised uh, Indiana and Rutgers are not in the, in the field of 64. Uh, I'm actually surprised by that. You know, Indiana, I thought played themselves off the bubble, to be honest with you, with their performance at the big 10 tournament, um, you know, going down uh, our uh, upset or not knocking off Michigan, knocking off. Um, who was it? Illinois that they beat. And then, and then playing on uh, on Saturday and losing on basically a buzzer beater there at the end of that game. Uh, I thought Indiana played themselves off the bubble. Um, Rutgers uh, you know I, I thought that they had enough of, of quality wins you know the, the Big Ten is a tough uh, tough conference of course you know they had a bunch of bad losses we talked about this last week that was a reason why they were on the bubble going into the Big Ten tournament they certainly didn't help themselves out in the Big Ten tournament uh, if they would have won their first round game they obviously would not have uh, been playing in that spot but uh, Indiana and Rutgers I think kind of surprised me that they are um, that they are in the in the playing games while a team like Michigan is in the in the normal field that kind of surprised me a little bit
0: yeah the Michigan thing did surprise me a lot because this is a team that went 17 and 14 the regular season and we saw a similar resume in the in the big 12 get left out in Oklahoma went 18 and 15 and mm-hmm. Michigan went 5 and 10 against quad one opponents. Oklahoma went 4 and 12 and I think mm-hmm. the strength of schedules is differentiated there but to me I find it hard when Indiana beats Michigan in the on neutral four two days exactly. two rounds further they're in the first four Michigan's safe on the field that I don't like Exactly.
1: I mean, listen, I think Michigan should have been in this tournament in some capacity. I would have had them in the first four for sure. When you're a 14 uh, loss team, I don't care what the metrics say. I don't care what your quad one record is. I don't care what your strength of schedule is. If you have 14 losses and you're only three games over 500, if you're in the field, you should be in the first four, in my opinion. Um, so them playing, you know, you know, in, in the, in the, in the, or getting kind of a buy into the uh, into the first round really surprised me, especially like you mentioned. There's a team that just beat them three days ago that is not uh, that is playing in the first four.
0: That really surprised me. That did surprise. Let's go real quick to the first four out, and I'm gonna pull that screen up here as well. And I think these are all from the NCAA's March Madness Twitter account. If you're watching the video version here, so our last four. Dayton was the team. They were team 69. They got bumped out of the field when Richmond stole mm-hmm. the A-10s, Maybe it was something we called earlier in the week. He said that a- mm-hmm. A10 was definitely a big thief. Texan, we talked about mm-hmm. it a bit. SMU, very bubbly resume. Oklahoma, we talked about it a second here. Of these four, who do you think has the biggest gripe for why they're not in the field?
1: Yeah. Um I, I guess Texas AM, to be honest with you. Uh making making it to the SCC title game. You know, we just kind of spent some time ripping them a little bit, but but still at the end of the day, they won 20 plus games. Uh, they were in the SEC title game. They got a couple of big wins this week. Uh, Oklahoma, I don't think w- was a tournament team, to be honest with you, this year. What, well, they have 15 losses. Uh, they, they, they were not a tournament team this year. Um, SMU, too, you know, w- was kind of your, like you mentioned, your typical bubble team. And, uh, and Dayton for sure got knocked out by, by Richmond winning the A-10. But, yeah, I guess if I had to pick one, Texas A&M. But it's like we just mentioned, you know, none of these teams, I think, have a clear case at uh, why they should be in the NCAA tournament over anyone else. Uh, I don't think that there's anything crazy about the, these four teams being left out, personally.
0: Yeah, I think the SMU thing, I think if you're SMU, or, you're annoyed that you swept Mavs the regular season. You had to, you should have, didn't have to beat them a third time to get in, but they really played nobody out of the league. I can't really blame them there. Oklahoma, mm-hmm. I do wonder if they had beaten Texas, a- Texas Tech and gotten the, to the final and lost to Kansas, they'd be in. I think they might have been.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, Depending on where they, yeah, if they were able to get maybe one more quality win, maybe that would have been enough. But uh, again, a team with a lot of opportunities that, in my opinion, you know, know, with the eye test, uh, that was not a tournament team
0: this season from what I saw. Yeah, I have one gripe here, I think, on this board here. I put Dayton over Notre Dame. That'd be my change to the field. Like, I don't think Notre Dame should have been in there. I mean, they were, I think, about, they were the two and eight in quad one games. They had. Mm picked up a lot of wins in the mediocre ACC. They lost their first AC tournament game to Virginia Tech, who was on the win the thing. And mm-hmm. they have three good wins all year. Dayton, I mean, they, they're they out probably because they had those three quad four losses at home in a row in November. But, like, mm-hmm. they had – they beat Kansas. They beat Virginia Tech. They beat Davidson yeah. late in the year. They were beating Richmond before their guard got hurt in the semifinal final game 17 minutes left to go. They collapsed after that. So, Mm-hmm. I think for me, I'd rather have Dayton in there over Notre Dame. I think Dayton's more capable of, of making some noise in the first four.
1: Yeah, and I, I think if you look at the first four, uh, the, the one team I think that is the question mark in there is for sure Notre Dame. You know, we just mentioned Rutgers and Indiana. Uh, I thought should have just been in the, in the field of 64. Um, and then Wyoming, I thought, uh, played a really good season this season and deserved to at, at least be in the field. Uh, so Notre Dame, yeah, for sure, is that kind of one team that in my opinion was a question mark. And yeah, so I could have seen Dayton swapping in for Notre Dame and I wouldn't have had a problem with that. Um, It's really just a toss up between those two teams, but I would agree with you there.
0: Yeah. I think I was higher on them and the committee was higher than a lot of the bracket tiles where a lot of them work. Oh, next four out. Something even had them in that category. I'm like, watch Mm -hmm. that team. That team is good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And they ended up making it, but just fall a little bit short. Yeah. I will also point out two teams that are not on this board that we talked about. Could not afford to lose a game in their their first game in the conference tournament. Wake Forest lost to Boston Mm -hmm. College, not even in the first Mm -hmm. four out. Xavier lost to Butler, (laughs) slid right out of the field. Yeah, Not good weeks for either of them. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and and Xavier, you got to think, if they just win that game against Butler, they're they're probably in. I mean, if they would have won that game and then lost to Providence, I think worst case, they're probably playing in the first four right now. Uh, But yeah, I mean, that's just such a bad loss to complete what was such a bad slide for Xavier uh, over the last like couple of weeks of the season. Yeah. So a real bummer for them to really go from securely in a lot of brackets, like a week ago or two weeks ago to, you know, completely out of the field um, just a complete fall from them. I think that coach is probably on his way out to be honest with you, because they've done this now really three seasons in a row where they've just completely went into a tailspin at the end of the season. Uh, yes. So tough. them And then wake forest, yeah. Like we mentioned team that just couldn't afford to lose that first game had to at least win one game to feel kind of secure and uh, they don't do it. So yeah. Two teams that certainly played themselves off the bubble this week.
0: Yeah. I mean, in terms of Xavier here, I mean, if I told you in mid January and they're 14 and three, they've went over Ohio yeah. state in there. I tell you, this team is going to lose uh, 10 of its last 14 games miss the tournament. You probably would have thought it was on drugs.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. A team that was ranked in the top 25 for a
0: good portion of the season
1: uh doesn't even make the tournament and like I mentioned this is not new for Xavier they've done this now they did it last year they did it in 2020 as well before that season got canceled they they were playing themselves off the bubble they lost the big east tournament game to DePaul to kind of knock themselves off the bubble that year as well that's three straight years under uh, Travis Steele that they've done this uh, I think his time is probably up there uh, that's a program that has had some history you know had made some runs they've been a one seed before. In the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago. Uh three straight years where they've really fallen apart down the stretch.
0: Yeah. And in terms of Wake Forest here, I think Steve Forbes in a tough spot because that team probably got better a year before he thought they would. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that 320th ranked non-conference schedule, the committee will always punish you for that. And then you mm-hmm. go lose your first game of the AC tournament to Boston College. That's a no-no. Yeah, yeah. You feel
1: bad for them. Cause like you mentioned, they they probably did not schedule like a team, you know, back in September, they were not scheduling like a team that thought they were going to need these quality wins. Cause like you mentioned, they probably thought they were a year away kind of in year two of, of his tenure there. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's kind of a bummer for them, but still I would say that's, that's a team that's a year ahead of schedule that certainly should have tournament aspirations next year and uh, should be one of the better teams in the ACC.
0: Yeah. That's one where I think they, I think the MIT will will benefit them because they'll actually get some experience playing together and they're a young team. They can build on that and get probably get into the tournament next year yeah exactly that's a
1: fan base that you know you should be upset for sure you know you you played yourself off the bubble in the last couple of weeks but you know playing the nit get better get some more games together try to make a run the nit in the next season
0: uh try to you know be securely in the tournament yeah i'm gonna throw the entire bracket up here for a second so we're gonna take a look here at the full feel of 68 and i'm gonna throw this up here one second it's a lot of fun trying to uh, optimize this. It's not great, but <laughs> on on Zoom, but I'm going to actually take this, go back to wrong screen share. Technology is fun. <laughs> so here we go. So here's our feel of 68 here. In terms of everything here it's spread out. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the just the jacket and bracket as a whole, like, is there any glaring mistake you feel that they made apart from our Michigan should be in the first four deal?
1: No, no, I, I would honestly say uh, Michigan is really my only my only big issue. I thought that they should have been in the first four, but I don't think anyone is is crazy um, overseeded or underseated. I thought they got the one seeds right. You know, the one seeds kind of played out how you how you thought they would. Um, I'm not, you know, cr- I'm not. I don't have any major gripes about the two seeds either, to be honest with you. So, yeah, outside of Michigan, um, you know, not being
0: in the first four, there's nothing that really stands out that they got completely wrong, in my opinion. I think there's one mistake I think they made here. I think Tennessee plays way on the two line and just ignore what they did over the weekend here. And I think that bothers me <laughs> because, like, you look at their resume. They're 26 and seven. They went, they go 14 and four in the SEC. All seven of their losses are in Quad One. So like, cause I mean, they lost mm-hmm. a bad game. They played mm-hmm. a tremendous schedule. They win the conference tournament. They beat Kentucky twice down the stretch. They beat Auburn. They're a three. They're behind Wisconsin. In the S curve for some reason and. Duke, which is lost, I think, like four games outside of quad one and lost the conference tournament to Virginia Tech, which is not even in the field until they mm-hmm. win that game. They're mm-hmm. a two, that they're two, that bothers me.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think if you were going to bump Tennessee up, you could for sure have bumped Duke to the three line. Um, you even could have bumped Auburn down, to be honest with you. Uh, I think that they were very high on Kentucky. But like you mentioned, Tennessee had a couple wins over Kentucky, including on Saturday. Yeah, so, yeah, they certainly had a case for a two, um, and that's the tough region for them as well. To uh, to be in that region with Arizona with Villanova, that's uh, that's not going to be a uh, easy picking for them. They they certainly, I, if I was a t- Tennessee fan, I'd be pretty upset with my with my draw for sure.
0: Yeah. On the other hand, though, if they do get that two seed, though, they're in the, they're in the same region as Zag. I don't know if you want that either.
1: Yeah. Uh huh. That yeah. The, the three the three seed path for them might be a little bit easier. Um, Just looking at it now. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, you know, who knows? You know, we could see upsets
0: uh, in in the first couple of rounds that totally negate all of this, anyways. As far as Tennessee's pack goes, don't forget they did beat Arizona earlier this season when they played them in, in Knoxville in non-conference yes. play. So that's one that I think that's gonna be Rick Barnes circling that one, saying, "Guys, we can beat anybody in this field. We just beat the number one seed in our region." in, November, in December, definitely, yeah. And and uh, you know, I think I think we
1: mentioned last week. You know, Villanova, the two seed in that region, uh, they win the Big East tournament for sure. They don't look overly dominant in doing so. You know, they almost got upset by my St. John's uh, on Thursday night then they play, um, you know, a, a pretty crappy great game against Creighton that they're able to pull it out on a, uh, on Saturday. So, you know, I, I think that this is a Villanova team. I think that they have the talent if the, if the draw plays out for them uh, in the right way to make the final four, but I don't think that this is like, you know, a, a, a typical or not a typical, but you know, a Jay Wright championship level uh, Villanova team, like we've seen in the past in 2018 and 2016, uh, I think Villanova can, you know, if, if it fought at the, Cards kind of fall right for them; they can make a run, but I don't think that anyone should be overly uh, intimidated by Villanova.
0: Yeah, let's go region by region here, real quick. I'm going to start in the West region with our top overall seed, Gonzaga. Here, they have Gonzaga is the one seed in that region. They could get either Boise State or Memphis in the second round. UConn's the five in that region. arkansas Vermont so think a fun game. And I got to talk about Alabama. Here, we'll get to them in a minute because they're of course either <laughs> like the most typical Alabama fashion of this entire tournament. Duke's down here, <laughs> Michigan State, Davidson, I think it's a fun game. So what do you think about this region in general? This is a, it's a really fun region. <laughs> I think there's a lot of fun first round matchups
1: and a lot of fun potential second round matchups as well. I mean, you look at Gonzaga, uh, they're, they're of course going to get through to the second round. You know, they get either a matchup with Boise state or Memphis in the second round. I would love to see Gonzaga and, uh, and Memphis go at it. That'd be a really fun one. Uh, I like Arkansas and Vermont in the first round. That's a cool game as well. Uh, you got, you know, Vermont, uh, who, who I believe has pulled an upset in the past over someone. I'm not remembering Syracuse exactly who was over, but yes. Yeah, exactly. That, um, you know, so they, they have had it happen before. And then at the bottom of that region, you got Duke, uh, you know, obviously a, a first round game that they'll walk through, but then either a matchup with Izzo and Michigan State or Davidson in the second round. Uh, So a really fun, uh, interesting path for Coach K. You know, I think the story of this region, while Gonzaga is the one seed, uh, I would think that they're still the favorite, but, you know, the story is, can Duke and and Coach K kind of write that storybook ending that they haven't been able to write really in the first two opportunities? You know, you look at last week against North Carolina, Coach K's final game at Cameron. They lose that one. They lose the ACC tournament final. Uh, Are they going to go out now with a loss, like in the second round against Michigan State? Uh, you know, will they be knocked off in the sweet 16? Will they make it to the elite eight and maybe fall to Gonzaga? Uh, so I think, you know, while Gonzaga is the one seed and the favorite, I think the story of the West region is going to be, you know, how, how far does Duke go and where does this, you know, end for coach K? And are we seeing this, you know,
0: storybook ending to the final four for coach K? Yeah, I think for sure. I think the team, I think that's going to trip them up here. I think Texas tech. I think Texas tech is, I think the sleeper in this region here, because, they're the 13, the Big 12. People kind of forget about them. They play the nastiest defense in the country. They have a very talented core here. I mean, scoring points is an issue at times, but the way they defend, they can beat anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm, I would really be looking forward to a potential
1: Duke-Texas uh, Tech Sweet 16 game. That would be a lot of fun. And then even potentially Texas Tech and Gonzaga, maybe, in the uh, in the Elite Eight a rematch from a couple of years ago where Texas Tech won. So that, That's a lot of, um, again, more fun matchups in this region. Yeah, if you're picking upsets in this region, where are you looking? Uh, I'm looking at Vermont over Arkansas, to be honest with you. Uh, I like Arkansas. I, I do, but I, I just think Vermont, you know, they've got that coach. Uh, he's been there a while. I, I, I like Vermont over Arkansas. So if I was picking one upset, I, I would go the 13th seed Vermont over Arkansas.
0: Yeah, I think Vermont is a good pick. because I know Seth Davis was saying on the CBS election show that, like, this basically is a better version of Colgate. And Arkansas struggled with Colgate last year. So mm-hmm. I could see this being a spot that I get picked off. The one I'm looking at here, down to the 7 like, Davis is going to be Michigan State. Michigan State is not the same team they were earlier in the season here. Like, they don't have a big time scorer who can beat you. They turn the ball over a lot. Davis is a disciplined team. Davis, can shoot. They're not afraid of playing the Giants here. They won at Alabama earlier this year. I think Davis is going to pull that upset.
1: Yeah, I-, I could absolutely see that one. Uh,
0: yeah, I-, I would agree with you there. Mm-hmm. Before we move on, we got to talk about our favorite team here, Alabama, because <laughs> the most Jekyll and Hyde team in the country here. And they have potentially like the most fun path here through here because <laughs> they get a play-in winner between Rutgers and Notre Dame. When I saw that, I said the bracket guys have a sense of humor. They put Alabama as one of drawing the first four winner here because <laughs> there's always easy one who wins. I would not be shocked if Rutgers wins this game and beats Alabama. But at the same time, how about it could be Texas Tech and, get,
2: and make a yeah. deep run in this
0: region?
1: <laughs> and they beat Gonzaga already this year. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, honestly, I could like you mentioned, I could see if Rutgers uh, gets through Notre Dame. I could see Rutgers knocking off Alabama. Uh, I could see Alabama making a run to the sweet 16. Nothing, you know, with the way that they've played this season, nothing would really surprise me in terms of, of uh, how far Alabama goes. So yeah, they are, they, you know, they, they,
0: they get kind of two matchups there that that kind of fit their entire season. Yeah. I, I telling people who I, who I wrote this on fan as well. My teens up can bust your bracket. They're in there. I'm like Pour a nice stiff drink. We try to figure out what to do with Alabama in your bracket. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah, it's, it's literally anyone's guess. You know, they could, like we said, could, could very easily be playing one game in this tournament or could be, you know, in the Elite Eight or in the Final Four. Who knows? They've beaten them one seed in their, in their region already. So, uh, so, yeah, who knows where they're going to end up.
0: Yeah, let's go in seed in order here. So now we're going to go over to the South region. Where our, our number one seed here is Arizona, and they did sustain the injury in the in the Pac-12 tournament. Guard Kirk Kreese has sprained his ankle and. Didn't really hurt them against uh, against uh, UCLA in the final. We'll see. They could probably afford to let them sit that first round game and still have a good shot to get through here. They have the eight nine winner of Seton Hall and TCU. Rough draw for Rough draw for Seton Hall.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. If they get through that first round, I, I think if you're Seton Hall, you'd almost have rather been a ten seed than a, than an eight and nine and uh, and playing you know a, playing a tough game against TCU. that They could very well lose and then taking on uh, Arizona in the second round.
0: Yeah, Houston. They proved me wrong. They gave them a five seed here, and they're playing U- UAB in the five twelve game. I think that's a popular five twelve pick. Illinois-Chattanooga. Yep. Seth Davis pointed out that one's an upset special there. I
2: mm-hmm. think
0: Michigan here is the eleven seed. Tennessee, who I love. I think in terms of underrated games, this whole tournament, Ohio State, Loyola, Chicago, in the seven yeah. ten is gonna be a lot of fun.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah,
0: and Loyola Chicago, we we know the magic sister gene in
1: March. Uh, do they have a little bit more left in them? And uh, you know, either way, you're getting a fun second round game. If Villanova can get past Delaware, you know, you get either Ohio state Villanova or Loyola Chicago Villanova in the round of 32. But uh, yeah, that's a really sneaky one of, one of the games that I'm most looking forward to in the first round, for sure. uh, Ohio state Loyola Chicago. Uh, Where are you going for the upsets in this bracket? I'm I'm going uh, Seth Davis. You know, you mentioned uh, Illinois or Chattanooga over Illinois. I could absolutely see that one. That's a scenario where honestly I could see UAB and Chattanooga (laughs) facing off in the second round, the, uh, the 12 over the five and the 13 over the four, uh, neither one of them would surprise me. I really haven't been high on Houston all season long. Maybe it's just bias because you know, they're, they play in the American. They're not really on national TV all season long. So I haven't seen them play a ton all season long, but I just, I don't love Houston to be honest with you. And, uh, Illinois just, you know, they, they just haven't clicked for me for a good portion of the season. Uh, they have obviously a beast in Kobe Coburn, but uh, I, I could absolutely see Chattanooga over Illinois, and I could see UAB over Houston as
0: well. Yeah, I think the Houston one. I'm there with you here because again, like they got their first win over a team in actually in the field today. <laughs> and they beat Memphis. I know mm-hmm. the metrics love them. They say they're like a top five team in the country. Now they went to the Final Four last year, but I don't see it. I don't see them without. And Kelvin Sampson has said on record like. You want us to be as good as they were last year, and you need to give them back Trayvon Mark, and Marcus Sasser. I don't have either of them. Yeah. So I think he, Kelvin's telling you this team is not as good as, as uh, they were last year. I don't think they could get anywhere cl- close as far.
1: No. Yeah, I, I either see a first or a second round uh, upset for, or yeah, being knocked out for them for sure.
0: Yeah, I think for me, this is a f- fun region here because like, I think I would love to get the Tennessee-Villanova uh, Sweet 16 matchup there. And Villanova, I mean, I'm sure happy they're on the two line, but not happy they're not in Philly.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I think that they, if they if they could have picked, they would have, uh, for sure, uh, preferred to be in Philly. You know, that's that we talked about that before. That they kind of messed with their schedule a little bit, their home schedule, to uh, have Philly as an option, and unfortunately it doesn't work out for them. So, uh, but but yeah, in terms of other upsets as well, honestly, you know, we were just dogging on Michigan it would be so typical for Michigan to knock off Colorado state in the first round. That would just, I don't think I like, I don't think it will happen, but I'm saying that's something that would be so typical of March madness and the NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're saying Michigan should have been a first four team. We're saying that they should have been a team that shouldn't have been in the field of 64. Uh, it would just be so typical for them to knock off Colorado state. I could, I could hundred percent see that happening, even though I don't think
0: it will. I will point out though, over their best uh, about dozen games, or so they've alternated wins and losses, and the last game was a loss. So by that theory, yeah. they're due to win and then lose Tennessee.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and I could see that absolutely happening. You know, I think that I think that we're in a crash course here for uh, uh, Arizona versus either Tennessee or Villanova, and I know that's chalk, but uh, I think Arizona is going to run through that that top half of the bracket. There's no one there like well, like I just mentioned, uh, Houston and Illinois. I, I could see both of them getting picked off in the first round. Uh, I could see Seton Hall and TCU giving Arizona a game, but I don't think either one of them really should scare Arizona. Uh, I think that they're going to roll through to the Elite Eight and then have a
0: really fun matchup either against Tennessee or Villanova. And the thing with Tennessee is scary is I love Tennessee, a team, but knowing to have Rick Barnes in, in, in March against Jay Wright, <laughs> it's not a, not a fun feeling.
1: Yeah, yeah. Coaching advantage there would for sure go to Villanova. And, you know, that's a team. I, I mean, of course, they don't they don't have a ton of guys that were on that 2018 team. Uh, But, you know, Colin Gillespie was, he's their leader. Uh, He's got that March experience for sure. But yeah, I I think, you know, we're going to see in terms of the elite eight matchup, I think we're going to see some chalk in that region for sure.
0: Yeah. And I'm going to go now, we're going to go to the Midwest region where Kansas got the one seed after they completed the double, they won the big 12 regular season and conference tournament and, Bro, they got the easiest path to the Final Four of any one seed. They got two, three, and four are all slumping in their preseason. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I'm gonna sound like a broken record here. I just
1: said that about Arizona, but look at Kansas. I, I mean, who in this region is beating Kansas? <laughs> I mean, I, I said I said Arizona has a as a, a cakewalk to the Elite Eight, like you mentioned. Kansas has a cakewalk to the Final Four. If they can't get to the Final Four this year, uh, I don't know if they they ever will. You know, going forward with themselves, I know they haven't passed. Um, But yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, Auburn as the two seed is kind of in a slide. I haven't been high on them all season long. Uh, Wisconsin, same thing. You know, they do have Johnny Davis who can take over games for sure. And Providence who, you know, a lot of people, you know, the the discussion with them has been all season long. Are they for real or not? They're coming off what a 40 point loss in the Big East tournament on Friday night. Uh, Certainly not playing, you know, their best basketball for sure. So yeah, the two, three and the four seed in that region don't really scare you. Um, Iowa of course has the big 10 title, but you know, I, I just, I don't, I don't see any way that Kansas doesn't come out of this region. I, I know that we have upsets
0: always. I don't think that this is going to be the region where we see an upset. Yeah. I think honestly, there's only two real spots where Kansas loses here. I think number one, I think is this the eight, nine game. If they're looking ahead, I think they get trapped. Maybe if Creighton comes out and shooting hot, that's one option.
2: Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and the
0: yeah, other one, the other one is Iowa. But again, yeah, we're talking about coaches don't have great uh, Mark trackers. Fran McCaffrey's up there.
1: Yeah, exactly. And honestly, you know, a, a team like Iowa just, just, you know, played in the, in the big 10 tournament, maybe they've peaked a little bit, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of keep that momentum going uh, through a couple of weeks, but yeah, I, I would agree with you though. I, if, if, if we're looking at a team to pick them off, I, I would say, I guess it's Iowa, but like, I, I don't, I don't see the two, the three or the four seed in this region even really giving Kansas a game, to be honest with you. I, I think, and I, I haven't been in love with Kansas all season long, uh, but I, I just, I don't know how they don't walk through to the finals in this one.
0: Yeah. And we mentioned this is also where LSU is, where we have the whole thing where they're dealing uh-huh. with, the, with the coach being fired. Wisconsin is looks very shaky down the stretch. They lost the breast. They lost the last two games in Nebraska and Michigan state. Johnny Davis got hurt in one of them. Miami's in here. They have to go wins. I don't know. USC. I don't know. Providence mm-hmm. here. I think this, if you're looking for upsets here, I think this is the one is I think, South Dakota state is scary. They can put the ball in the basket. Yeah. That's going to be a
1: popular upset pick as well. Uh, The 13, I think I've actually said all three 13 seeds over, over four seeds as upsets right now, which probably won't happen, but yeah, a lot of people are going to pick South Dakota state over Providence. You know, Providence has been that team all season long that, you know, the question marks have been there about them and South Dakota state, uh, you know, a team that just ran through uh, their conference on the way to a conference title. So yeah, that that's going to be for sure. An upset pick for sure.
0: Yeah, I think for me, I think if you're looking for the two, three, or the four, the best chance to beat Iowa, I mean, beat Kansas, I think is Wisconsin. I think you got Wisconsin. I think has to get there. Obviously, I don't know if mm-hmm. because they play a much slower brand of basketball, they can pound the pound the rock. Kansas from getting a ton of possessions here. John Davis has a big game. I think that's probably the one scenario where Kansas get, does not get the final four of this region.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you there. If, if we're looking at at just the top four seeds in terms of who can give Kansas the game, uh, yeah, it would be Wisconsin by by doing like you said you know, winning a typical Wisconsin March game, you know, a game in the fifties, low sixties, trying to, you know, limit the amount of possessions. And, you know, for the first time in a while, Wisconsin has a legit star on their team that could take over a game late. Uh, that can't be, you know, discounted on in March. When you have a guy like that, we saw what Johnny Juzang could do for UCLA last season. Uh, they have a guy like that in Johnny Davis. So we'll see if Wisconsin can uh, make that run and uh, may- maybe knock off Kansas. But personally, I, I don't see, it. I don't see it in this region.
0: Yeah, I think in terms of games to watch here, I think obviously I think the Providence-South Dakota State games be a lot of fun. I think probably the best game of the first round is the 8-9 game in San Diego State and Creighton.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and,
1: you know, honestly, just from like a, a – maybe not, it's not going to be a great game, but LSU-Iowa State, that's going to be an interesting game to see how LSU comes out. You know, Coach just got fired. Uh, I don't know if that game is Thursday or Friday, but still Coach got fired less than a week ago. Uh, you know, you got to play an Iowa State team. Uh, that that's coming out of the big 12. Um, you know, that that's been in ranked in the top 25 at some points this season, it's going to be very interesting to see how LSU played plays in that game. Like I said, that's going to be a really popular, uh, upset pick the 11 over the six there. Uh, I'm just interested to see how LSU comes out of the gate in that one. For sure. Dang it. I might back LSU just the fact that Iowa state cannot score the basketball. That's a problem. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of like the gambling thing, right? You know, everyone, the public is all on one team. Go with the other one. Uh, Everyone's going to be on Iowa State, or at least everyone that follows college basketball, I think, is going to be on Iowa State in this one. Uh, Again, much like what I said about Michigan, uh, it would be so college basketball, so March Madness for LSU to win that game uh you know it it would just be so so typical march Madness for lsu to like somehow make the sweet 16 or something like that with an interim head coach i'm not again not saying i think it's going to happen but it's something that you know we see happen in college basketball all the time these things in march that just make no sense
0: yeah as as you would say the public's going to iowa state the sharps play on lsu i'll be with the sharps on that one yes exactly you always want to be with the sharps and that that's one for sure yeah and last but not least here I think the most fun region here, the East region. And we're going to go ahead and take a look at that one here as we take a deep dive into that one here. So on the side here, we got Baylor and Norfolk State, 116 here. Baylor holds on to the last one seed. Uh, North Carolina, Marquette, fun eight, nine game. St. Mary's is a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous five seed. Yeah. UCLA, mm-hmm. who I love, is the four here. Texas, Virginia Tech, I think that's going to be fun. Purdue's here. Murray State's in there against San Francisco. I think that's probably a great mid-major game. Kentucky's in here. So this is a fun region overall. Honestly, I
1: mean, you hit the nail on the head there. I think the probably the most fun region or, or one of the most fun regions for sure. Um, you look at the top four teams in this region, uh, Baylor, Kentucky, uh, Purdue, and UCLA. I could see all four of them going to the final four. Uh, you know I, I've been high on Purdue and UCLA all season long. Uh, I could see either one of them making a run for sure. Um, even a team like Texas or even a team like St. Mary's in Texas, but St. Mary's, especially, you know, like you mentioned, that's a dangerous five seed for a team like UCLA to possibly have to play in the second round. And then Baylor to have to possibly play in the sweet 16. And just looking at these games in the first round, I mean, every one of these games is watchable. I mean, uh, the one 16, you throw that out, but the other seven games, I I would say are certainly watchable. Uh, maybe I'm a little biased. You know, I, I love local basketball, seeing St. Peter's and Shaheen Holloway take on Kentucky. Maybe that's not everyone's style, but I'll be interested in that game as well. Uh, you know, Yale and Purdue—that's a fun one. The Ivy teams are always pesky uh, in, in the uh, in the first round in the NCAA tournament. So I I, I think that the, this pro this region probably has the most fun first round games. And like I mentioned, uh, I think it's really you know take a dartboard and and, and throw darts at it to see who's going to uh, be the the team that gets out of the, out of this region to the final four.
0: Yeah, I know. I've that there's always this thing where you say, oh, like. Don't put all four of the ones through to the second week as usually someone gets picked off here. I think this could be it right here because I think Mm -hmm. North Carolina obviously came on strong late in the year. They had the win at Duke. They get to the semifinals of the ACC tournament. They have the talent of anybody in the country. They haven't played up to their potential here. And Marquette, I mean, they have that run in the middle of favor. They swept Villanova. They beat Providence. I mean, they had a really, really good run. And I think like either of those teams would give Baylor a big run for their money
2: hmm uh,
1: Again, another March Madness thing, right? We, we've been ripping on North Carolina all season long since like December, basically how typical would it be for North Carolina to knock off Baylor in the second round and to go to the sweet 16, uh, wouldn't shock me at all. And yeah, I think, yeah, if you, ha- if you have a one seed that's going out early, uh, I think it's going to be Baylor for sure. If, and if you have a, a region, if, if, you know, if you're filling out your bracket and you don't want to have all four, one seeds, I would think that the East region is the one that you, that, you know, that's, that's the most gettable one seed for sure. That could be knocked off at some point before the final four.
0: Yeah. I think also, I think here
1: in terms of upsets, where are you looking? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if there's a clear upset in this one, right? Cause I like, I like St. Mary's and like I mentioned, I love Purdue and I love UCLA. I uh, maybe Virginia tech over Texas, you know, Texas is not playing great at all. Virginia tech just, uh, you know, ran the table in the ACC tournament. Again, I don't know how much the momentum of those things really carries over. Uh, But, yeah, if I had to pick one, I would say Virginia Tech over Texas. You know, even that 7-10 game, I think Murray State's really, really good. Uh, I could see them. uh, You know, I I see them getting through San Francisco. So, uh, I I don't see
0: any major upsets in the first round in this one. But if I had to pick one, I would say Virginia Tech. I love Virginia Tech in that game because Texas, you and I know, like they do not play very well outside of Austin. They have trouble beating Mm -hmm. good teams away from there. Virginia Tech, the metrics all year have been saying it's a good team that, like, this has not performed out to their ability. They've lost a bunch of games at the ACC. That's why they were not even really on the bowl when they got into Brooklyn, but they're playing very well now. They have a coach who won a tournament game when he won it down at Wofford, Mike Young. Storm Murphy came over from Wofford, the grad yep. transfer, and they have that experience there. Chris Beard, I mean, that's, he spent the whole year trying to build that team up with all the transfers he brought in. They've not really gelled as much as they can. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. I'm. I think this is what I'm thinking about very seriously here because also, I think there's a good shot here. Virginia Tech gets a Sweet Sixteen because mm-hmm. Purdue is not play oh, okay. a lick a not play a lick of defense. And we saw against mm-hmm. Iowa today. I mean, Virginia Tech can put the ball in the basket with anybody in the country. I think they give a good shot to knock Purdue off.
1: Okay, that's that's yeah. I mean, I I, I love Purdue. I've been high on them, you know, since preseason. But uh, yeah, I mean, Virginia Tech, like we said, they got the momentum coming out of the ACC tournament. So we'll see about that. And Texas, a team that just has totally underachieved this season from what we thought they would be at the start of the season. I thought that they were uh, a final four caliber team at the start of the season, you know, to go into the NCAAs as a, as a six seed and to, you know, really not have a, a, a much of a, sh- of a shot here. I mean, everyone has a shot, of course, but to go into the NCAA tournament as a six seed uh, after what the preseason expectations were for Texas. Uh, Got to be disappointing for Chris Beard in year one.
0: Yeah, and for me, you know, I'm a big UCLA backer. do have that $50 future on them win the championship. I saw, I saw them get in the street, like, oh, okay, this is fun. Then I see the five there. I'm just going,
2: why, why, why?
0: Because <laughs> that's a game I can barely yeah, see them losing.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a really tough second-round game for them. I mean, St. Perry, St. Mary's, as we know, knocked off Gonzaga, gave him a game uh, last week as well. Yeah, that's the that's St. Mary's team that is uh, probably the best of the five seeds, I would say, and, and it's not even really close. Um, that's going to be – if that ends up being
0: the 4-5 matchup, that's a really fun 4-5 matchup in the second round. Also, can we please I, – I know respect to San Francisco because they have not been in the tournament since 1998. Fun to get them back here. We need to get Murray State and Kentucky in the second round. We have to get that game.
1: Yeah, that's that's an, another fun second-round matchup uh, to see. You know, a Murray State team that – uh, of course, has gone under the radar. I mean, you know, I, I haven't really seen them play very much at all outside of their their conference title game. But man, that would be a, another just fan. I mean, look at the second potential second round matchups in this region. You get Baylor versus North Car- potentially against North Carolina, like you mentioned, Murray State, Kentucky, potentially St. Mary's, UCLA. You know, maybe Virginia Tech, Purdue, Texas, Purdue. There's there's some really fun second round matchups in this in this region for sure. Yeah,
0: this one I think has the most like chaos potential of all the four regions.
1: Yeah, I I agree.
0: You know, the most watchability for sure, and uh, yeah, like I said, anyone can come out of that region for sure. Yeah, let's go. I'm gonna throw the full bracket up here here because one of the fun things of the first weekend is obviously now that last year we were in the bubble, Indianapolis. This year we Mm -hmm. are now back to our regional sites. We have matchups and we have pods in San Diego, uh, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Portland, Greenville, South Carolina, Fort Worth, Milwaukee, and Indies back in the mix here. So. If you could pick a pod to go to, where would you want to go this weekend? Okay, well, as a as I know that it's not really really the uh, the most
1: biggest destination a- at all here, but as a Big East fan, uh, I would like to go to Buffalo. Actually, I think you get a couple of good games in Buffalo. If you look, uh, South Dakota State and Providence, like we mentioned, a potential upset there. Uh, a Providence team that you know has certainly. Uh, had their question marks all season long. That should be a fun game. You get Iowa and Richmond in a, in a fun 12, five game. Yeah. Uh, you get New Mexico state and Yukon in another 12, five game. Uh, that's, that's an interesting one. And then at night, uh, Vermont against Arkansas, another game that I thought could have been a, uh, an upset special there. So four games, you know, two, two, uh, four, 13 games, and then two, five, 12 games that uh all, all should be close in my opinion so uh you know like i said maybe not the best destination probably the worst destination in terms of traveling to. but if i was going to one i, I would really uh like to be in buffalo
0: yeah i I would go to indy my personal pick here because i think it, i'm looking at obviously i murray state San Francisco is fun i got the kentucky murray state second round game that'd be great i got potentially tennessee, mm-hmm. tennessee michigan the second round of that of that pod. that's, a, that's an underrated pod
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah and
1: uh yeah, I mean just a lot of a lot of interesting matchups there a lot of interesting second round matchups there as well.
0: Yeah. The half of the Milwaukee pod is fun because you got the Texas Purdue right group there as fun. The Wisconsin half not as much, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, uh LSU yeah. LSU Iowa State Wisconsin. Yeah. No, nothing really stands out there. But yeah, the uh the Texas
0: and Purdue pod on, on that side is fun for sure. Yeah, poor yeah, like you look for the when you try trying to pick a pod here, I think. Gonzaga's one is also a little underrated because they got performance of Gonzaga and yeah. the, the Boise Memphis game, and then the other one there is the St. Mary's UCLA potentially second round.
1: uh uh-huh. Yeah, with that one, maybe you're you're a little bit sacri- uh sacrificing the uh the first round for the second round. You know, you could get, get two really fun second round matchups for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm trying I think honestly the worst pot here is probably Fort Worth, because there's really only really like one great potential game in there. Yeah,
1: Baylor, yeah, you got Baylor in the sixteen North Carolina Marquette uh yeah yeah you got two one seeds in there yeah and honestly you need uh I, I would say yeah probably baylor and then their second round matchup is really the only great game in that one for sure
0: yeah absolutely and let's also take a look here i want to look real quick at the tv schedule because some of these games are finally mid scheduled so i'm going to go ahead and find the espn i mean the times here it goes to, go to on the espn site they have the full schedule up there so we're going to figure out the best viewing way. I'll tell you when you need to be in front of your TV. I know this is tricky for people who work and like, I know like you have the computer going here, but early window Thursday, Michigan, Colorado state, the first game of the day. So then South Coast state, Providence, Memphis, Boise state, Baylor Norfolk state. What do you think about this window?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, listen, I'm going to be watching all of it, of course, but uh, yeah, you get, you get two or three really interesting games there. Of course we talked about Michigan, Colorado state, uh, I just mentioned South Dakota state Providence is a game I'd want to be at. And then you get a, you get an eight, nine game as well in there.
0: Uh, you know, no one really cares about the one sixteen, but I would say three watchable games there. All right. Second window of Thursday here, Longwood, Tennessee, Richmond, Iowa, Georgia state, Gonzaga, Marquette, North Carolina.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, not as, not as, not as uh, watchable as the first one. I mean, uh, again, I'm going to be watching it anyways, but uh, definitely, you know, that 12, five Richmond, Iowa game is interesting and the eight, and nine game Marquette and, uh, North Carolina, but then you get two games that should probably be blowouts in Tennessee, Longwood, and then, uh, Gonzaga and, uh, Georgia state. Yeah. Luckily for me, I think I have to do
0: some driving in the, in the middle of that window on Thursday. So it's just, I'm <laughs> glad there's not a ton in there for me.
1: Yeah. That's that if, if you're going to miss something, that's probably the best one, uh, to, to miss. Huh? Uh, I, I haven't seen the rest of it yet, but if, if I'm, I would assume that's going to be the worst window.
0: Yeah, let's go to Thursday night here. New Mexico State, UConn. The good job by Saint Peter's getting on CBS National against Kentucky in, there, in, in that <laughs> in that game. The, the Saint Mary's, uh, I guess I think the Indiana, Wyoming yeah. winners there, and then Creighton, San Diego State. This is solid.
1: Yeah, uh, I agree. A bunch of watchable games there for sure. Um, you know, like I said, even St. Peter's in, in Kentucky, I'll be locked into So yeah, four for four there in terms of games that are going to be interesting. Yeah. Three or five
0: twelves are on Friday, are on Thursday, which is not a good sign for what Friday's going to look like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the late window, Vermont, Arkansas, San Francisco, Murray State, Akron, UCLA, Kansas, Gonzaga. This is okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, you got the one, I'm going to be
0: really interested in that Arkansas, uh, Vermont game, but. Nothing else really great there. Yeah, for me, like, unless somebody, unless UCLA is losing, I'm probably going to bed after Murray State, San Francisco is over.
1: Yeah, those are, yeah. I would assume those two, well, of course, the late game is going to be a blowout, and you would
0: assume UCLA handles business as well. All right. Friday, the first game of the day, Loyola, Chicago, Ohio State. It's a good start to the day. hmm Yeah, definitely. But then it takes a little bit of a dive. <laughs> that, <next> one. <laughs> that one, you might not be flipping the clicker on that one. <laughs> yeah, that's not,
1: uh, Jacksonville State, Auburn is not, not a must-see TV for anyone. Montana State, Texas Tech, and then Yale, Purdue. So I don't think you're changing the channel too much. No, yeah, you're going to be locked into that Loyola, Chicago, uh, Ohio State game, and then if uh, you know if, if you got an upset brewing somewhere else, you go there. Uh, but that that's the one game in that window for sure. Second
0: window here: Delaware, Villanova, Miami, USC, the Alabama game against the Rutgers, Notre <laughs> Dame, and Virginia Tech, Texas. I think this is my winner so far. Yeah, that's
2: a,
1: that's a fun window. Three really really good games. Uh you assume Villanova and Delaware is, is a blowout but outside of that, yeah, three three very very interesting games uh and three toss-ups as
0: well. Uh last game last Friday night window. Illinois Chattanooga, Cal State Fullerton Duke, Iowa State LSU, Arizona and State playing winner, which is this is not fantastic.
1: No, no. They, of, of course they get Duke in that uh primetime Friday night window. That feels like they're there. Every single season, they're in that, that 7 o'clock uh, uh, primetime game, no matter what seed they are. Uh, but, yeah, nothing else in this region, in this window, really sticks out. Should be, uh, I would say, two blowouts. And
0: then uh, I could see Chattanooga and Illinois being a good game. And then, of course, you got Iowa State and LSU. And this last window is a is fun window, which, again, here, UAB Houston, our last five twelve, Davis Davidson, Michigan State, which is good. Wisconsin, Colgate, whatever. And poor Seton Hall fans you have to wait until 9.57 on Friday to get your game in. And it's probably going to be close to like 10.20. You can factor in the delays.
1: Yeah, yeah. But, but I would say, you know, four watchable games for sure in, the, in this window. Uh, UAB Houston, maybe not really like a, a sexy matchup there for sure. Uh, not, you know, not a whole lot of national appeal with those two teams. But then you get Davidson, Michigan State. Uh, you think that's going to be an upset? I could see that one being a great game. Colgate, Wisconsin. We saw Colgate gives uh Texas tech some trouble last season. And then you end the night with TCU and Seton hall, which should be a fun eight, nine game. So a fun window for sure to end the, end the
0: first round. Yeah. It'll be a fun week for sure here. And I'm looking forward to it next week. We're going to be back here. We're going to wrap up the round of wrap up the round of 32. We'll be in the sweet 16. We'll have some fun here next week.
1: Definitely. Definitely looking forward to it. Uh, like we said, you know, best, this is probably one of the best nights of the year. And this is one of the best weeks of the year for sure.
0: Yeah, I think the four days basically from tonight until about tip on Thursday is very exciting. And then like once your bracket starts to implode and you see you, you lose <laughs> yeah. your first final 14, you're like, ah, now I know I hate picking these things every year?
1: Yeah, usually that happens for me around like Thursday at, at around three o'clock. I lose a final four team and then, I, and then I'm done. I think I lost Ohio State last year and like at like two o'clock on the first day. So hopefully I'm, I can make it a little bit further this year, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, I remember it was a great of How about your mother? I think they they had a March Madness themed episode where I think Ted and Marshall have a big had their bracket on a giant chalkboard, and I think Barney walks. is like, "Yeah, your team just lost." It's like, "I didn't even know they were playing today." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's usually how it goes. I think for yeah. a lot of us. Yeah, well, hopefully we have some success. So Troy, thanks a lot of time. Really appreciate. It. Before I let you go, people follow us on social media. Keep up with the Seeing Right podcast. Definitely, like you can uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Troy
1: Moriello. Uh, yeah, I do the Seeing Red podcast. If you're a St. John's fan, you can check that out. We just had a fun game in the Big East tournament and uh, no NIT, but should be a very, very fun off season for St. John's. So definitely check that out if you're a fan of the Red Storm. Yeah, I was going to say, you're disappointed that there's no NIT. Uh, personally, no. I didn't really <laughs> want to watch them in the NIT. I have no interest in the NIT, especially for a team that, that should have been in the NCAA tournament. Apparently they wanted to play and they didn't even get picked, which is just a total, total embarrassment. Uh, what a terrible season for them but yeah I had no interest in watching this team anymore so I I could not care less that they are not invited to the NIT.
0: Yeah well we'll see if they can make the NCAA tournament next year Troy thanks all the time really appreciate it. Thanks Mike Show me the money Show <laughs> <calibration> <laughs> <speaks> hey! hey! <Hey>! me <laughs> <Jerry! inaudible> the money Show me
2: the money
0: all right, show me the money. March Madness edition is here. Getting ready to give you a March Madness betting preview. Join me today. It's a big college basketball fan and big friend of the podcast, Martino Puccio is here. Martino, how are you? Um, I think this is the worst March. I would
3: rather have just not had a tournament. Honestly, this is like I, I I'm obviously a big Duke fan, as it's noted, but for me, this whole year was about Iona. Um, and that could not have been more disappointing. I'll be honest with you. Like I've seen Duke lose in the first round of of said tournaments. Um, to Lehighs, the Mercer's. I think Iona losing was probably my most haunting March Madness memory. Probably since we lost to Manhattan almost almost uh seven eight years ago. I want to say it might have been my sophomore year. Um, so yeah, I mean, that just, just real gut punch and a letdown, uh, especially with the way the end of the season has been going for both of my, uh, college basketball teams. So like just really spiraling out of control after they both look like to be in great shape all season long.
0: Yeah. I mean, as far as Iona goes, I mean, they lost the first game, bad, bad fours down the stretch. They were not going to make it to me. Like losing the quarterfinal of a conference tournament even when your favorite to win is not as bad as blowing the big league of the day against BYU back in uh, the first four in 2012.
3: it's it's I mean I guess it's all about relative to expectations you know because if if he, if someone said to you all right like here we are with with Iona and prior to the BYU game they lost then you'd be like, okay, yeah, that's understandable. But the way in which it went down is, is miserable, but there's no way you could have ever convinced me, Hey, we're going to go into a quarterfinal in the Mac tournament and lose right away. Like there's no, there's no way to angle it that would make anyone feel good about it or okay to sleep at night. To me, it's, it's one of the worst losses in program history. Um, and, and, and quite honestly, I, th- I think it's easily the worst in, in years in MAC tournament uh, terms. E- easily. It's not even Close.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, Iota is not there. Let's talk about some of the teams that are there. The BRAC came out last night. I did a big breakdown earlier in the show with Troy Mario, went into the whole thing, you know, all the ins and outs of it. And I took out the betting angle here. So, in terms of betting this turn, what's your general strategy right now?
3: Um,. Listen, I don't think there is a strategy to it. I've been going, like, months, I've been looking at this for, for team futures. Um, if, we, if we just stick with the national champion, I guess, first, right? So, for me, and and, and it's funnier because we do without New York colleges, so um, good thing we don't have to really worry about Syracuse uh, or St. John's. Um, so, to me, there's a lack of trust with Gonzaga, I just, they're one of these teams when I was having this conversation with a coworker on Friday and I was just saying, you know, there's certain times when there's programs or franchises or clubs in any sport where they're kind of bursting onto the scene. They're really great regular season wise. Uh, They make a a name for themselves and they kind of come out short, uh, come up short, come tournament time or postseason time. And you're like, ah, okay. Maybe it's a learning experience. And, um, with Gonzaga for me and their and they're favorites by a pretty decent margin yeah. on, on DraftKings, you know, at, at three to one. Yeah. And to me, that's like, I don't trust them. Like I'll be straight up. If Baylor was amazing last year, uh, the UNC year, you could have argued they could have won, but I trust Roy Williams any day of the week over Mark few. Um, To me, they're worse than last year, and it's not a knock on them to say they're bad. Chet Holmgren's amazing. They still have a lot of the guys from last year as well. For me, Mike, it's really kind of just down to brass tacks. If we're in March, do I trust Gonzaga? And the answer is no. And I don't think I can trust them. And and it's not to say that they can't pull it off, but I'm not going to sit here And and be after the tournament's over. And if Gonzaga gets eliminated again and I put more money on Gonzaga and I'm sitting to myself saying, wow, another tournament goes by in March where we put money on Gonzaga to try and pull it off. Like at a certain point, are we going to learn a lesson? And this could come out to be bad. Maybe this is the year that Gonzaga does end up like pulling it off, but I'm not going to be the one to put my money there and say, yeah, this is the time I'm going for it. There's just certain teams I just don't trust to make a run. Um, And and at this point, I've put my faith in Gonzaga as a a tournament team enough over the years that I've learned my lesson that I'm not going to bet on them until I see them do it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to have confidence in Gonzaga winning the national championship until I see them do it, just like I saw with the Atlanta Braves as well, right? Like, I'm not going to trust in them until the Atlanta Braves actually do it. Same, you could even argue with the Dodgers. Like, how many times are the Dodgers getting deep into the postseason with these great rosters dominating the regular season? And then it comes to crunch time and they're coming up short. I just don't trust teams like that and that – and that comes down to Mark Few as well. And it's, he, he's the greatest ever coach to not win a national championship in college basketball. I think it's fair to say at that point. And, and you know, for me, I stay away from it. Personally, I don't love a singular team in this. Um, I think there are certain teams that have great odds. I know this is a little long-winded, but Purdue is at a great number compared to some of these other teams. Tennessee's good. Villanova, another team that I really trust. Baylor, listen, I, they lost key players, but to me, I don't know. I, I've liked Auburn, and, and some people don't agree with me with that. Um, I kind of just really – I have some more trust with them. I think they're a gritty bunch. Bruce Pearl has been somebody that I kind of respect and admire, and that run that they did kind of felt like they got over the hump last time they were in, in the tourney like that. Um, so in terms of value, those are some of the teams I like, I still haven't picked a team. I'll be honest. I'll be straight up with you. I, I keep getting deeper into this tournament and I don't even overthink like I used to anymore. You know, when you're like, eh, hey, well, I don't know if this is going to go that way, if this team's going to beat that team and look at their path. But just like some of these teams too, with, with their paths, like on, on, uh, the West in the West, excuse me, like Gonzaga's there, Duke's there. Like, do, like, do you want me to get
0: into Duke just yet? Or do you want me to wait on that? Because yeah, let's, let's wait a little bit. I want to go specifically. Okay. First, okay. on some, some things if we'll get to like the props in, in terms of like the futures and the, what matter. Sure. So I think in general, I think the thing I look at here is I'm like right now I'm with you. Like I have not really sat, gone through the whole thing yet. I'm really to take some time and do some research. And before I make my picks, I'll probably work on that tomorrow. But I think what I look at right now is I'm looking at the, First round games, specifically, I'm looking for the upsets here. I guess, especially now in New York, it's a big deal. So we have the actual like, in, like live sports betting here. I think like mm-hmm. I'm looking for my spread at, at the point spreads here and seeing where the odds say these games are gonna be tight. That's soon I look for the upsets, I'll throw a couple examples out here. I mean, Michigan as an 11 seed is over Colorado State There's the six. Providence is the fourth, only laying two against South Dakota State, the 13 seed in their region here. I mean, stuff like that. Stuff I was always, always look out for.
3: Yeah, well, Michigan has got two and a half. Bit like like what Baylor is at. Sorry, they're minus twenty and and a half. It's it's just a couple monitors up. Excuse me while I try and get it up. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's just there's so many things that you could. I I agree with with the Colorado State angle. Plus, you're saying you're leaning two and a half. I'm to, leaning,
0: I'm leaning Michigan. I think Michigan win that game outright. So I might as well just lay the two and a half points. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not. I, 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 think it's a really good money line number. I think I'd rather
3: have the money line over the spread, just because spreads are so weird and it's a really small number too. I like that's like to me. I love money line parlays with with minus numbers in the hundreds. I always, I always do that. I get a lot of crap for it, but I think it's just always something. If you're so confident in it, I go with that. Spreads are too. About that, like, would you buy half a point with? you know, to even go to two or even if you're that confident in Michigan winning outright, would you go to three minus three? I, I think those are – if they have those options yet. Because um, sometimes they – with these books, they don't – okay, yeah, so look, winning margins are perfect, right? Yeah. Um, wait, really? So so how about this? The winning margin for, for Michigan, if they barely win, right – if you if you're going like to two on on a spread, you get stuff like winning margins at plus eleven hundred for Michigan. Yeah. That's insane. Right. And and even if you say, oh, okay, yeah, they win by a decent amount, three to six points, that's a pretty decent amount of points. And that's at plus 350. I like looking at winning margins a good amount um, as well. And 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 to me, I think that's kind of where I look at instead of spreads because it kind of hits a combination of both the money line and the spread in there. Um, and, and that brings greater value across the board. And it's not as hard to predict. I, I mean, it is, but to me in between the years, I think it's easier. I don't know. I just, dude, I spreads, it, dude, it's such, a, it's, just, it's a pain in the ass. I'll be quite honest with you. Like these numbers all around,
0: now, what, I, what i was saying is more in the fact that, like i look at where the spreads are tight in terms of, like that's how i'm going to look to where where mm. my offset should be that's that's the strategy i use like dude murray
3: state san francisco it's a one like it's a, it's a one point on the spread like i'm not i'm not touching that i'm sorry i'm just not doing games like that to me that to me that like, i never want to go anyway if i don't have a concrete opinion on a team winning i'm just not gonna do it like, like cal state plus 18 and a half i would do that yeah, No joke, no joke Duke is, I know we're going to wait to get into them But that right there Out of out of all the the massive Numbers across the board I think Cal State 18 and a half is so much For Duke, Duke is just not that type of team Recently that they're doing that Because when things are just not going their way You see it spiral out of control And that's just Something I can't trust
0: Yeah, a th- team like that I think one strategy I'm going to do this year for sure is like what I'm looking at in terms of like if I have a couple of upsets that I like, that I have strong convictions on the game, I'm going to try and just parlay a few of them together here and just see if I can boost my payout here. Get like three or four of them in a play here and think that I feel, for example, I feel good about obviously Michigan. I feel good about South Dakota State over Proud. I feel good about Davidson over Michigan State. If I could parlay a couple of those together, I feel pretty good. Well, so you're not even backing your boys then, I guess. huh? (laughs) They're not winning a game this year. I'm telling you that for a fact.
3: Really? Yeah. Really? That confident in it? I mean, I get it. It's just look, yeah, I mean, listen, Nova, say you go with Nova minus 15 and a half. And oops, I clicked Duke by accident. But you go Cal State, uh, you know, uh, plus 18 and a half. That's plus 264. And if you were to even, you know, like you're saying Davidson outright, all of a sudden, you add it to that, you're at plus six uh, 647. I think the 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 toughest one out of all those is really Michigan, yeah. Because um, I really fully believe where Duke is with Cal State for like looking at some of these not out of conference games, they're playing nobody teams that we played, and and some of the others are, you know, they were close matches. It's funny, like you see them beat Gonzaga by three points, and then like some of these others are incredibly close for no reason at all and this is like i've seen enough duke teams over the course of my life to know the direction this is going in at at the start of the year you think they're that type of team that's going to win the title and then you see the rest of the season play out and you see the way they play come conference tournament time and in some of the biggest moments that are high pressure high leverage uh not high leverage high pressure high you know, high intensity moments like you know Coach K's final night ACC tournament championship, like nah, man. I just to me that's not it. That's not it. Like in in a number like that in in a sport where the intensity is so hard, and teams always play up to Duke, man. Yeah. No matter what, like there's no other team in the country that would be ranked eighth and an unranked team beats them on their home court and and the fans storm the court. That doesn't happen anywhere else. Maybe one or two other programs that happens too, but everyone only storms the court when you're the number one ranked team. For me, that's kind of what I look at with Duke because coach K is not that great of a coach anymore at all. And obviously this is like one of his last games. So yeah, I mean, again, might have sound incredibly negative, um, but usually kind of spot on with the way two plays out on this. I know I man,
0: man, this stuff sucks. Yeah. Let's look I've never been so lost. Yeah, let's look at some of like some of some of the upsets here. Do you have any top any upset picks you like right now? Um first as far as first round goes. First, first round. Hmm. I
3: mean Miami USC is something I'd look at you know, like it's, 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 this is like classic overthinking from me. By the way, um, Rutgers Notre Dame. I guess that really just depends on the winner there. I think I don't like Bama. Straight up, don't like Bama. I th- I think Bama is a six seed. They're I could easily see them out of that whole bracket over there on that side. I think I probably would pick them in the West as, as the one team to lose in that first round. And I know, I know, you're just saying with Davidson Michigan State, but. Man, we saw Bama firsthand as Iona fans, and I've seen them across the season. Dude, there's just not – I like a six – if you told me Bama's a six seed after watching everything I've seen from them, I'd tell you hell no, and, and I would back away from them. I really do think they're that type of team that, that would be able to lose that. But, again, that's all um, contingent on what Rutgers or Notre Dame comes down to because if it's Notre Dame, Bama, I think Bama wins. But I like Rutgers over that because Rutgers is battle-tested – and they've had some really impressive wins this season, whereas Notre Dame, I don't know. I think that's just an ACC strength of schedule type thing um, and conference that makes them look better than what they are. I don't think they're that type of team that's going to beat
0: Bama. Yeah, I mean, Troy and I talked about Bama earlier in the podcast. I mean, thinking about them, you will see what they've done this year. I mean, they have really high highs, really low lows. I mean, they beat two number one seasons this field this year. They beat Gonzaga and they beat Baylor. And they lost to... Our team, they lost to Missouri, they lost to Georgia, they lost to Vanderbilt in the conference tournament. Like, pour a drink after you're trying to figure out what to do, with Alabama.
3: I, dude, like the first ever team to lose to the MAC as a top ten ranked team in the
0: country, Alabama.
3: That and yeah, and they're beating Gonzaga too at the same time. Yeah. Exactly why I'm all on the Zags as yeah. well. Another perfect reason. I mean, yeah, I mean that that's where I would lean. I just don't. I, and I guess Michigan, I guess, is that, that the one for you? 11 over 6 is pretty substantial uh, upset, though.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I have I have a couple I love right now. I love South Dakota State over Providence because Providence plays a lot of close games, and they've been exposed a bit of late. They lost twice to no, but they had a lot of luck over their way. South Dakota State is a team you like. An upset pick. They score a lot. They score about eighty six points a game. They shoot forty five percent from three. That's a team I love to take in a, in a, in a spot like this. High scoring team. Who was uh, Oh my god! I'm
3: on um Texas Austin. What was the? Oh my god! Drawing John a blank on the team that used to score a ton of points all the time. They were the, always a sexy pick a few years back. Um Stephen F Austin yep. is that the one? Yep, but they ended they they win a game a couple of years ago yeah exactly yeah but that was after after the point where everyone's like and it was a little similar to Iona but Iona was never the offensive like type of team where people are like oh a lot of points a lot of points and that's a that's the type of direction you're going but listen man 30 30 wins is a lot yeah. and Providence the prior dude, a fourth seed for Providence I this. I think this tournament's crazy I think this tournament's absolutely insane I don't I, I guess I could see that I, I'm ge- I'm genuinely at a law lo- I'm genuinely at a loss for words with a lot of these games because I just also we've had a year off from from uh, these tournaments right actually a couple of years off so like I mean well sorry not a couple of years off we had the one year off to me it's just it's so circumstantial and it's completely different than it's ever been.
0: Oh, it's, it's, I don't the, know, man. it's the first real tournament in three years because last 2020 there's obviously no tournament. 2021 was all in a bubble in Indianapolis. Nobody had to travel after the first, like after they showed up in Indy. Now you're going all across the country again. You have fans in the buildings everywhere. It's back to real tournament feel. And I'll throw other two out here I like besides the Davidson one here. I'm gonna say Chattanooga over Illinois is one you I wanna watch because they that team is big. They have high major size. They have a former Kansas guy in Silvio de Souza who can match up with Kofi Coburn. I would not be shocked if they were right in that game. And I you saw Virginia Tech this week in Brooklyn. I think they have a good shot to beat Texas. Texas is not great. I think they have a good shot to get a Sweet 16. I'm not sold on Purdue either.
3: Yeah, you know, I, I yeah, another I think Purdue is also another one of those teams that's been near the top recently. Obviously they're known for their big men, but and I think that's massive at certain points with matchups in college basketball, uh, because sometimes you watch some of these games and so these teams are really well coached and and they got good talent, but then you know just all of a sudden like can they throw a seven footer out there and you're kind of like nah they can't so so that kind of is where it where it stops, um, but yeah I mean I, I got nothing else in terms of that stuff because uh, again. Just had a loss of words for upsets, man. I probably get a better feel for it to, closer
0: to tournament time, you know. Yeah, let's take a look here at some of the other future bets here. They have, I think, good value. People don't sleep, make enough picks on here is to make the final four without New York hmm. teams means you get the whole field minus Colgate, so that's not a bad situation there. But I think the value in here. I think getting Kansas at plus money out of the Midwest region when they have a two or three and a four who are all slumping down the stretch in Auburn, Wisconsin, and Providence. Iowa, which is the hot team, but they've never done anything in, in March under Fran McCaffrey. I think getting them plus one hundred and sixty there, I think, is great value to jump on it. I don't
3: love a single team besides Auburn from there. Yeah, and
0: uh, out, obviously outside of like
3: Kansas and Kansas is like either they have a team that clear get easily gets to the final four and then and then chokes, or they're kind of that Sweet Sixteen or Elite Eight exit. Um. I think i i out of of all like the plus money to make it to the final four um i guess i would honestly go with kentucky kentucky is a tough region but as a man i think cal gets a little too much flack for how some some of these things go he is fantastic at getting to the final four he's he's a great tournament coach it's just the one championship, everyone's just kind of like, eh, hey, well, you should have more considering the types of talents you've had walk through the door um, in, in the past decade or so. I think Kentucky, um, I'm obviously a fan of Auburn, like I said. So if that's something you'd go with, I go with that. Listen again, Gonzaga, why would you touch that, by the way? Yeah. What's the point? There's, I do like what? Yeah. That's it. And that's not even low 100s. That's yeah. a minus 160s a lot. Yeah. That's,
0: yeah, that's what I'd stay away from because I think the thing is scary for Gonzaga is that you have Texas Tech in that region who plays phenomenal defense, and I know that, that they have trouble putting the ball in the basket at times. But like, that's a team that we saw Gonzaga struggle with St. Mary's twice down the stretch. St. Mary's is a great defensive team, so mm-hmm. I would not be putting the one the minus one sixty on Gonzaga in the final four. I don't think that's a, I think that's a very risky bet. I think that's the riskiest out of all the futures bets.
3: Yeah, but I, like I mean, relative to what you could potentially be losing. And I mean, well, so to make the final four in your region winner is I mean, let's let's look at that. It's, I mean, these are very similar numbers, which is kind of funny. So, like looking at that kind of stuff, so you got what Kentucky at plus 200. Yeah, they're the same, same they're the same term. numbers. That's so silly to me.
0: Yeah. It's so silly. What's the difference at that? Well, there's only three regions so far that are up. Yeah, they didn't put the Midwest up because I I don't know what the holdup is on that one, but Kansas's pods. I don't know what they're waiting on there.
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe it just looks easier on the eyes when you go <laughs> and play some of these yeah. because there isn't a massive list. Look, man. I mean, I don't know.
0: I mean, who are who are the ones that you would like to set again? I love Kansas getting out of the getting out of their region plus one sixty. Right. I think that's a fantastic bet. I make the final Dude, four. You
3: don't. What about per- Purdue's not bad at plus 450? I feel Pur- like that's pretty decent. I know with- there's like the other tough ones.
0: but The thing with Purdue that scares me is that they do not play like a defense. And that's a big problem. when some of the teams the <laughs> group. Turns out. Yeah, but I feel like out of all the high rankings.
3: I mean, Tennessee, I'll tell you what. If there was, a, if there was ever a team that I think got jobbed out of a good seed, and maybe it was for the benefit uh, the, of them. Because yeah. Duke's in a tougher spot. Right, Because yes. everyone's like, oh, Duke should have been a three. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not disagreeing with you guys. Losing at home to your rival by double digits. Losing an ACC conference championship game by double digits. I mean, that doesn't scream a two seed to me. That's a, that's a three seed and what Tennessee was able to do for the first time in a while. Um, and again, the region, I respect some of these teams in here. Is 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 Arizona that good to you? Arizona? Is it, Arizona is a damn good team. You think they're that good that like you're you're without a shadow of a doubt taking them to go to the final four? Is the, that for the,
0: you? The one the, thing, the one thing I would say is that these team they did play at Tennessee this season and lost. So there is something in the back of their minds there in terms of like they went they played them there in December and Tennessee won the game. So it is worth noting that they're in the same region. Hmm. And there obviously is that path there where Noah could line up with
3: them, um, and Tennessee. Like you beat Longwood. I don't think Michigan or Colorado State or anything of, of anything to scare me off from Tennessee getting to the Sweet Sixteen. So yeah, I think Tennessee might. Honestly, I think I like Tennessee out of all these. Yeah. Um. What about UCLA for me? UCLA. They're going to like, going back-to-back, like, that deep in the tournament. Do you see that happening?
0: Well, to me, it's funny. I do have a future on them for a while ago, we about plus 5,000 and winning the national championship. So I've been holding on to that ticket to see if they come through. But I don't like the way they played down the stretch for me. It looked like there was too much of, like, we're, we're going to kind of flip the switch. We're kind of coasting through the season. And I think their second-round match against like St. Mary's gonna be a big problem. Because St. Mary's likes to slow you down. They like to... Play low pace, play a ton of defense. That's not the way UCL likes to play. So that's something I could see them being picked off the second round.
2: Mm, yeah,
3: I, I don't know. Yeah, I got. That. I have nothing left to add on that part. So you can go.
0: You go with that. Um, yeah, I'm also gonna throw one more game line out here. I think it's gonna be interesting because I'm trying to find uh, the LSU Iowa State game. I don't know what day it's on. Um, let me scroll down for you. LSU. Uh, I, I, Iowa I, I, yeah, I found it right here. It's LSU minus four on Friday night against Iowa State. And I feel like the public's going to be all over Iowa State because LSU has fired their coach. I'm going to be on the side of LSU here because, to me, like that team is still damn good. Iowa State cannot score worth a damn. They really fell apart down the stretch in the Big 12. I think this is a little circle of the one for the players here. I think LSU is going to be a better bet than people realized for that first round. Hmm.
3: I don't know, man. I mean, it's hard enough to pick them in a bracket, but with some of these numbers, I can't, God bless you, bro. Like I can't, for me, I, if I'm not confident as a better, and this is just like a general thing, I'm not going to do something.
0: Yeah. Like that one. I am very confident in because I've watched Iowa state down the stretch. They are not, I feel like that's going to be a spot where that line gets like pushed closer as the game gets, gets like closer to tip off. Where do you think that goes to? I think you might be down two and a half by the time it tips. Really? Yeah. Really? Because the LSU has fired their coach. I'm sure there's a lot of public sentiment saying, "Oh, you know, they're not going to be motivated." Iowa State. I mean, they're pretty.
3: They're pretty high up on the money, like the money line discrepancy, like minus one ninety, and the and, and the spreads at four. Yeah. If that dips, I mean. Would you bother again with the spread? So you're doing a very similar thing to what you were saying earlier with with Michigan. Yeah. If they're that close on the spread, I'm just gonna take that. If you're gonna think they're gonna win outright, I, I get it.
0: Yeah, I think I, the last thing I want to look at here is obviously we can go to the winner spot here in terms of Gonzaga is top of the board here plus three hundred, Arizona plus six fifty, Kentucky plus eight hundred, Kansas plus eight fifty. That's your four best values here, and they're clearly the picks that the books that are going to the final four here aside from those four, like, is there a team further down the list that has you interested?
3: Prior to the debacle against UNC, it would have been Duke. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, I thought, I thought anything. I thought Duke came off as disrespected with anything that was over a plus a thousand. I honestly did at that point because Let's face it. Like I mean, I don't think if this was Coach K coaching ten years ago, right? Easily, that's the value pick. There's like no conversation there. They have everything that it takes to win the national championship. The talent is there. They're as deep of a team. They could play defense from time up, but they, they were abysmal in that ACC tournament with defense. Even if you're winning a couple games, Syracuse with Buddy Bayheim and and, and frigging Joe Girard, who's one of the biggest. Uh, college busts I've ever seen. Right. I mean, seriously, has there ever been a guy more hyped up that didn't live up to it? Maybe jelly fam. I said at Washington, when he went to Minnesota, Uh, Oh my goodness. But to, to see that go down, I think there's kind of one thing. I think there was so much, bust potential when it came to Duke losing against UMNC. Such a letdown spot. There's a lot of pressure with that. And then Virginia Tech was just on a, on a here, man. I mean, the way they were turning it around and they were even talking in the broadcast, you start out two and seven in the conference and you turn it around like that. I mean, sometimes teams, teams are just insanely hot and that's what March is about. To me, it's like Duke could not have looked colder down the stretch and... My thing is this, how does Paolo Boncaro do? Because it's all on him. I don't think there's anyone else within that team that I'm kind of like, oh, this guy has to play great in order for them to win. It's really just on him at this point. And it's not even to put that kind of pressure. Like, the, And A.J. Griffin, I guess you could say as well, who's a local Westchester kid, so it's always great to see him thrive. If he's scoring the basketball great and, and Paolo is being a great distributor, Duke can beat anyone in the country. We've seen it, right? Like they took it to UNC on the road. Uh, Gonzaga had, had lost to them when they were number one overall. Um, and again, there was a week. What what week was it? It was a few weeks ago. It was definitely in February, right? Where we see all these top 10 teams
0: lose at the same time. Yeah, it was the last Saturday in February. Top six all lost, seven and seven in the top 10. The, like, think about that. and And you have to take that into account when you're
3: looking at these futures, right? Because to me, that's again why I was saying, I don't like any of these teams for sure to win something. Like, why would you, if we could see a week where we see so many number ones, lose, we see so many top 10 teams lose in the same week when they don't even have crazy matchups, right? For me, how could you trust somebody? So if you were to tell me you're going with a team outside of that, uh, out of of the thousands, like, why not? Like, why, why, why are we going to play it safe in the craziest tournament to ever exist? Not like literally the 2020 March, 2022 March Madness, just March Madness as a whole, because we could sit here, we could be confident as a pick, but what it really comes down to it's any given Thursday or Friday. That's what, that's what it is. Because if one guy shows up incredibly hot, then it happens. Because remember the last time we saw a normal tournament, Mike? Yeah. A 16 beat a one. Yeah. By double digits, by double digits. And that's saying something. I'm not saying that's going to happen again, because that was the first time ever, but... I just I just want to say this like some and I've been guilty of this uh, bet with your knowledge of the sport. Don't bet by what you see as the numbers, because you're way better off placing bets when you're going off of your gut and your knowledge as opposed to, well, the bookies are moving this line and and this number is a little odd here. And I know that kind of contradicts what I said earlier with with Gonzaga, but still Gonzaga. To make the final four at minus one sixty is a stupid bet. It's not worth it. Um, I don't think anyone should be placing that bet uh, unless you got mattress mac money or you're like, "Go, oh, I'm going ahead and chopping five million on it." But even then, that would be incredibly dumb. So, yeah, I don't know. For me, I was like, that's just the assessment on Duke. I guess it would have to be Tennessee.
0: Yeah, Tennessee plus fourteen hundred. I like that number there. UCLA, the talent base is there. Plus eighteen hundred, if you like. And I think the East region, I think there's good value there because I don't think Baylor's getting out of it. And Kentucky plus eight, uh, UCLA plus eighteen hundred. I will throw out Texas Tech plus twenty two hundred is one I like as a sleeper shot there.
3: Yeah, and then you have to also go off of your ticket that you had the plus five thousand too. So I mean that matters
0: for you. Have you
3: had? They offered you a cash out.
0: They have offered cash outs from here for for a while, so I haven't decided I'm going to take it yet. For the time, I haven't offered why I might cash out. I'm not bullish on them.
3: I, well, so if you're not, I think you just do it.
0: Yeah, I think you just do it.
3: Like it, like before anything happens, where you got cold feet, and I get a lot of crap sometimes for cash. Out. I'm a big cash out guy because for me, if I if I'm placing something and I and I made a profit, it's like who's going to judge you? Who cares? Yeah. Why would you allow it to come down to a certain point? um where you could lose everything if you make a profit and it's on something like a plus five thousand take it and i'm not and you could do what you want for me that's the way i look at it because at that point i'm kind of looking at yeah i didn't hit a plus five thousand bet but good lord like if i would have just taken some of the money i i I at least cash on plus five thousand and the bet didn't even like go to the full extent of it, where UCLA is winning a national championship for the first time since the '90s. So, yeah, I mean, I would definitely consider that because then you could just take some of that money and put it back in. You yeah. Know, so.
0: Yeah, I also give piece of advice to the listeners who are who are signing up for the sports for the first time. Like, watch your promos because they will. These books will always have something going on to get you involved. And like, for example, I opted in today on DraftKings to a odds boost to get the Gonzaga money line which is not only minus 10,000 of the person out to plus a hundred against Georgia state. So I did that dropped my 50 in the playing anticipating doubling up for unless something goes very, very wrong for Gonzaga or stuff like that. Watch for.
3: Yeah. I mean, yeah, always, always those boosts and stuff like that. Um, DraftKings does a pretty good job, uh, of giving you random, like same game parlay boosts and, and, and stuff like that, uh, that you just mentioned. So, Always just look at things and live betting March madness is going to be amazing by the way. Yeah. So like, dude, yes, yes. That's probably what I'm most excited about.
0: Yeah. You're excited. You're excited for Thursday afternoon when you can have four games. I think we live betting all of
3: them. Oh my God. yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking about it right now because I don't live bet too many things. I live bet games that I, that I watch obviously. Um, Unless it's like a Mets game, if I'm out, I'll be like, ah, you know what? They're up two runs and Familia's coming on and, you know, Edwin Diaz is there. Let's just, let's just go in and and do that. Um, But yeah, um, I I don't think I have anything else left to say with that. I, I just, you know, take your cash out opportunities when you can. Um, Final four bets are incredibly valuable over, you know, winning a, a future bet on the national champion because the national champion and college basketball is the hardest thing I've ever had to bet on future wise in my life. And it's just, it's miserable. Yeah. Every
0: time file four is two less steps you have to worry about. That's a big advantage. Dude, two less
3: steps. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot. The the, the amount that the number moves to and man, you're, you're talking about, Dude, so many games. It's a, it's a lot of games. And and it's also predicated on the fact that you're getting the other games right. Right. You know what I mean? Like you're making an assumption that Memphis beats Boise State and Memphis and Gonzaga matchup and you love the Gonzaga matchup. But if you if you if you're like, oh well, Boise State's actually a better matchup against God. This is just a hypothetical. So like you like, oh yeah, Boise State's more of a nightmare matchup towards gonzaga but i think memphis is a is a nightmare matchup for boise state but somehow boise state gets through when they face gonzaga next thing you know boise state upsets gonzaga you know what i'm saying like kind of kind of scenarios like that i that's the difficulty in all of this and good lord i might just do the bracket where i flip a coin i did that one time and it actually worked out better than the one that i try to honestly fill out myself um so yeah
0: Yeah, and before we go, I know you are a Jets fan. I do have some breaking news here. Yeah. Came on the podcast. Jets have added another player, tight end CJ Uzama. Three years, $24 million. So the early focus of the Jets is offense, offense, offense. Their free agent moves. Only tells you one thing. Like, an edge is coming in number four. Because how is it not? Right? I mean. An edge or a corner. Because I can see them being in the sauce gardener market.
3: You think you are going to do that at four? I don't know.
0: It's different for
3: me, the way like Joe Douglas has been drafting and building this team. It's interior. It's the trenches. I know. And obviously, edge is edge. It's not literally trenches, but at the same time, it kind of is. I, I see them doing that, man. Yeah. Um, K- I have a question for you though. Oh, wait, did you answer it already earlier today in the chat
0: or no? Well, I, I said, yeah, I did answer it on the chat. I was saying it came on Thibodeau basis. The Jets think they're taking him.
3: Mm, yeah. 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 And I think that's highly likely because also corresponding to the Jags moves today, they're going to go with Hutchinson. Yes. Right. Like that's, I don't see that happening, but listen, I trade, trade number 10 for DK. I hope that would be a uh, cool. I mean, Ozama listen, man, that's probably the best Titan we've had in a decade.
0: <laughs> is it
3: probably it's, it's, it's a definite. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, absolutely. And Martino, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, if you follow social media, keep up some of the stuff you're doing.
3: Yeah. Um, just follow me on Twitter at Martino Puccio. Um, and then a bunch of proper football stuff is, uh, where I work I work for a big jets guy, Gary V. Um, who hopefully, hopes to own the New York Jets one day. That's a big game. But if you're a Jets fan and you don't know who he is, that's probably a shocking thing. Um, but yeah, just at PF 137 PM, you can follow us at 137 PM. We're doing an office pool. Um, we'll see how I do in that one. Um, there's some big, big fans over there. There's, there's not many uh, uh, Duke fans. Um, I think I'm on the outside looking in, but they're big Grayson Allen guys. So I'm not as hated over there. Uh, Because of that fandom, but yeah, it's just a bunch of proper football stuff. I'm obviously doing uh, more things. I'm really excited for this Mets season. Um, Still need to add more. I know I hate to bring up the Mets and all that stuff uh, for you, but that again, it's what the podcast and we always do this towards the end whenever we're not talking them. Got to get another bat and a relief pitcher because that's it's not enough for what the Braves have so far I'll just be straight up with you I I don't I think right now it's the ceiling is is a wild card team uh I don't know if you disagree with that or not I just I I have a lot of respect for the Braves and what they were able to pull off um I I don't really see how the Mets are better than that at this point even with the great staff so like you take out the staff and we're kind of looking at a lineup that's that's good but every time we think the Mets are not going to be as bad as they were as certain areas in offense, they end up being worse. (laughs) You know, when they were like terrible runners in scoring position for a couple of years, it's like, there's no way these guys are going to suck at it again. And they do. And like last year, there's no way they're going to underperform all these guys again. And they did. So the more, the
0: better. Um, So Schwarber and Chafin are, are my guys, former Cubbies. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's a fun season indeed to watch. So, Martio, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. The Two Minute Drill. <laughs> all right, two minute drill time here and the baseball is back and there's a lot of stuff happening. You want to know more about the CBA, you can check out the blog, justinsovereign.wordpress.com for what it means about the CBA, what we can change to expect, all that good stuff. But the rumor Mill isn't fired up. There's a lot of action going on here. The Mets have been busy, made some good moves. They traded for Chris Bassett, picked up Adam out over the bullpen, still working on some stuff here. The Yankees, though, made a fascinating trade on Monday night. And I'm not sure I completely understand what the rationale of this trade is here. They end up shipping out Gary Sanchez and Gio Rochelle to the Minnesota Twins for a package of players, headlined by Josh Donaldson, 36 years old, picking up the last $50 million of his contract. Shorts out, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and a backup catcher, I think, Rob Blover. I gotta look up the guy's exact name, so give me one second here. But, the point is here, I just do not understand the purpose of this trade. You're adding a 36-year-old third baseman, who yes, is a good power hitter, does not strike out a lot, but The Yankees do not need more right-handed power. They have plenty of that already. Bringing him in makes no sense. And the catcher is Ben Rortvate. That's the catcher they have coming in here. They give up a guy, Gio Rochelle, who miscast as a shortstop. And you sort of lock in right now. I give you that Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is good. He's a very good defensive player makes contact, which is something the Yankees would really use. The Twins just got him two days ago from Texas before they traded into the Yankees. Why didn't you just go to Texas and trade for him yourself without taking on Josh Donaldson's money? Because the Donaldson money is not insignificant. You are paying him $21 million a year for a guy who has probably got at least one decline season for you who has not played 150 games for the last five seasons. I mean, take the COVID year out, and then he still missed half that season. There's going to be some time missed here. And the way the situation is built right here, the way the roster is constructed, you really have boxed yourself out of, obviously, Carlos Correa, who they're not going to pay because they don't want to block Anthony Volpe and their prospects. You box yourself out of Freddie Freeman, who the Braves are not in on him anymore because they traded for Matt Olsen. The Dodgers are supposedly in on him. Toronto's in the mix now, which is not great for a Yankee fan. If you're just telling me you're off season, okay, we're going to bring back Anthony Rizzo. We're going to add Josh Donaldson and Kyle Falefa. We're going to downgrade a catcher to a platoon between the new guy and uh, Kyle Higashioka. Without, and maybe a bullpen arm. I don't see how you got considerably better. That kind of move, with that kind of trade, it has to be part of something bigger. And I think Matt Olson would have been that something. And I get that they were never going to match the package the Braves get up, which is basically two, three top six prospects in their top two and all four in the top 15. The Yankees are never going to do that. But you could go sign Freddie Freeman. He is costing you money. You bring him in here at a big lefty bat at first base, use DJ's utility player, you got something cooking here. I can get behind it. But the Josh Donaldson trade itself, where you're really taking out his money, You're bringing in attitude changes. Yes, they didn't need that because the club got a little stale. I think the problem here is this kind of feels like a Wilponian Mets trade where they bring in a name, the Yankee fans ecstatic because they got rid of Gary Sanchez, who was not going to last in New York beyond this year. And you're saying, okay, here's our big move. Oh, now we don't have money to go get the biggest name on the free agent market whether it's Freeman or Correa or Trevor Story. like I think if this is the first step and you're doing a sort of reshuffling of the deck, this is okay. I think if you want to just say, okay, we need to make an attitude change, not run it back, I can buy that. But the follow-up move cannot be just re-signing Anthony Rizzo and saying, okay, Josh Donaldson's our big change, here we go. That worries me from a Yankee fan. I know Yankee fans are very mixed on this. Some love the idea, some hate the idea. I'm more on the side of the hate, but we will see if they are right or not. I just don't think on service this trade makes a lot of sense. Because again, aging third basin who's had injury issues, paying a lot of money. That's a Will Met move. With that, I want to end the show. I want to thank Troy Moriel for hopping on Selection Sunday, doing a whole deep dive into the bracket. Martina Pucci, you guys heard talking about the Mark Mandis betting. I talked at the blog already the CBA breakdown. You check out Albert Justin just on the suffering wordpress dot com. You can also check out the Sky Guys podcast feed. I gave you a drop from that feed and this feed over the weekend when we talk about the Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer. There's also a fun Star Wars character bracket. We're in the March Man Spirit over there as well. If you want to follow that, check out the Sky Guys podcast feed on your, all your favorite podcast platforms. Search for the Sky Guys and you will find it there. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331 that's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S- three three one and that's gonna do it for today's show i mean coming up next week we're gonna have some fun we're going to have a look at the nfl free agency i mean we got a lot of stuff here the jets made some moves already the giants are staying quiet but talk about that more March Madness and some more so i'll have a better week than the dayton fans